Confucius said that the strength of a nation derives from the integrity of the home. This tale is about one of those homes, the Choi family home. Mr. Choi Chil Suk was born in Hanyang, modern-day Seoul, a member of a Yang Bong family. His father was a bureaucrat, just like his own father and grandfather, and just as Mr. Choi himself turned out to be. It wouldn't be truthful to say that they were relevant, their role in the government being low- to mid-level bureaucrats with little power. However, they fed their egos with the knowledge that long ago, a direct ancestor of theirs was a member of the royal family, and that, doing some stretched-up math, they were themselves still in line to be heir of the Johnson throne. They conveniently ignored that blood itself wasn't the sole decisive factor in the choice of the next king, and this ignorance allowed them to be happy. Mrs. Choi, previously Miss Na Sung-won, was the second daughter of an also low-level bureaucrat. However, unlike the Choi family, Mrs. Choi's father lived in South Zhuo province, along with most of the Naju Na clan. Uh, it was in this province that Mrs. Choi grew up, and she married Mr. Choi due to the distance between South Zhuo and Hansong. It wasn't really a matter in which the young Miss Na could have given her opinion. She was just another peon in the complex clan politics. So, with only five years of age difference, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Choi married. In the following years, Mrs. Choi gave birth to three children, two boys, only one year apart from each other, and a girl, youngest by two years. The three children, like other siblings, had their arguing and infighting. And just like it occurs in other families, the siblings simply didn't have any common interests that would allow them to be friends. Each loved their siblings, but simply didn't like them. By far, the ones who clashed the most were the two brothers. The oldest sibling, Choi Dong-jung, was a copy of his father. He enthusiastically supported Mr. Choi's traditional and conservative values, even if he didn't understand them. Because Mr. Choi's, Mr. Choi praised Daewon-gun, his oldest son would adopt Daewon-gun as his role model. When Mr. Choi argued for the expulsion of the Westerns from Joseon, Daejung took, took it upon himself to show animosity toward those foreign groups. The second son, Choi Daejung, was Mr. Choi's fiercest opposition. From a young age, Daejung was fascinated by the possibility of the opening of Joseon to the outer world. When the 1884 Gapsen coup happened, 14-year-old Joseon Daejung's expectation of a more prominent and modern Joseon grew. The coup's failure only made Daejung's desire to fight for progressive ideals bigger. However, these ideas clashed with Mr. Choi's, and consequently his brother's, standards. Therefore, the relationship between the two brothers was based on a battle between conservatism and progressivism. Finally, we must present Ms. Choi Seo-yun, the youngest sibling, before continuing the story. From the beginning, Seo-yun was more sheltered from the outside world than her brothers, primarily due to her status as a woman in a patriarchal society. So, she grew up defending conservative beliefs regarding the Chosun society's hierarchical system. Perhaps, if she had been allowed to listen to politics in the state of the Chosun dynasty, Suyun would have had strong opinions about them. However, that was not the case. She was, as her mother had been, just a peon on the men's chessboard. Her brothers found her uninteresting, and her father only cared about what marriage could bring to the family. Nevertheless, the mother recognized in her daughter a strong willingness that someone herself had never possessed. 
Occasionally, she had to warn her daughter about the dangers of stubbornness and obstinacy. Even though Sun Yun was a fan of the current Chosan society system, she knew exactly what she wanted, and her happiness came only from her wishes being the same as her father's plans for her, that being a desirable marriage to a wealthy man. And so they grew, each with their own agenda, sometimes one clashing with another. Choi Dae-yung started his military service in 1885 at 16 years old. When the service was completed, he decided to pursue a military career. However, Mr. Choi refused to accept that his older son would follow any profession other than one in the civil office. This was the first, and only, time Daejeong went against his father. And while Daejeong went only once against his father, Choi Dae-yong insisted on going continuously against his father's ideals. Just like any reactionary teenager, Dae-yong spent his time talking about revolution and the modernization of the Chosun kingdom. It probably began as a rebel movement against his father. However, as he befriended Sungmin boys his age and spent most of his free time with them, his knowledge, plus his friend's circumstances, led him to truly embrace those beliefs. He ever more disapproved the Chosun government's decisions, and his impatience grew. Seo-yeon knew this and couldn't understand why Choi Dae-yong would choose to be in the military, or why Dae-yong fought for others. Her life was to remain as it was and the fact that they wanted change made her uneasy. But Soyeon was no different from other teenagers, and the idea of danger attracted her as much as it scared her. Therefore, when she saw her brother talking to people he isn't supposed to talk to, Ms. Choi decided to do the same. That's how she met Jungkook, a close Songin friend of her brother. Long story short, she fell in love with him, and he reciprocated the feelings with the same dedication. As we said before, Ms. Choi is not one to have what she wants, so the fact that he was a Songmin and she was a Yangban had zero meaning to her. Siu Yun understood their love as a modern retelling of the tale of Chun Hyung. She had ambitious plans for herself and the world, and for the first time, she had someone willingly listen to them. As for Jungkook, Siu Yun gave him the confidence to, for the first time, aim higher than what was installed for him. Their love also resulted in an approximation of the two younger siblings. With Jungkook in common, they started to spend more time together and eventually understood that they might have something in common. The year 1894 and Che Dae-jun was well-versed and experienced throughout his military career. While not excited about his achievement, the Che family supports him and is proud. Still, his father hopes and holds on to hope that this phase will someday pass and that the Daejun will regain the political power the family once had. However, this hope would be destroyed after almost a decade of service in the military. Daejun was stationed in a rural village that seemed in safe enough. All he had was without some discontent political extremists, and he would return home to finally relax after 10 years of service. However, what would at the first seem like an easy assignment become difficult. The military had underestimated the discontent the citizens in the rural communities faced and would face numerous mobs across the country. Unfortunately for Choi Dejun, the village he was stationed in was very chaotic, and while he tried to his best to stop the mob, he died to the mass of extremists running towards him and his fellow men.
After hearing about the death of Daejun, the whole family grieved, enraged and still grieving. Chosok blames his other son, Choi Daejun. Chosok Yas berates Che Daejun for even supporting any revolutionary ideals, and he is the cause of his brother's death. However, rather than arguing as they would always do again and again, he just stood there silently, taking the blame. Knowing that the old man was just grieving and telling him otherwise wouldn't convince him, he just stood in the living room reflecting on whether what he wanted would help Joseon or if he was just fool around. For the first time, Che Dae-yong would question his own idea. Che Yong and her mother also grieved, admiring the fighter that Che Dae-jun had become. However, as if things couldn't be any worse, So Young's father gave a proposition. To retain some semblance political influence, Che Sok has been searching for husbands for Se Young to marry. Se Young's flowers is taken out from under her feet. She argues and fights back, but Mr. Che is unmovable. Her anger consumes her. She thinks of fleeing, burning the house to the ground, but as down comes, she finds it in herself to be rational. When Mr. Che announced the plans, there was no turning back. Like her mother, So Young is a pawn in the other people's game, but in that down, So Young determines her purpose to fight for the reformation of Joseon culture and let the weak to be pawns in other people's chessboards no longer. She sends Jungkook a letter uh, through her bladder. Better to not see him again, so not to risk going back to hopeless dreaming. Another person in the Che family's home grieves, Mr. Mrs. Che. That night, she took Clyde for her firstborn son, her only daughter, and herself who could never have a say in her own life. In the following year, 1895, Che Soyo marries the man Han was promised to marry and moves in with his family. Soyeon's chosen husband was Kim Soo-ho, the second son of the government official and possessor of considerable fortune. He wasn't particularly friendly or present, and he seemed to have no real ambitions, which angered Soyeon profoundly. In fact, he appeared to live solely for his library with his brother. Suho and his brother, unlike other Chet siblings, had so much in common that they weren't able to get along, but instead lived in constant competition. Who was the best scholar varied? Who would pass Gwangao examinations? Eventually they both did. Who would marry first? Suho did. Who would marry better? The brother. Who would have more sons? The brother and so on. Doing the math, Suho's brother was winning, and Suho was aware of this. His bitterness only amplified his discourteous character, and So Young's self-control was frequently tested during her marriage. Mr. Che dies two years after his eldest son. He spent a great deal of time stressing over the fact that his now only son wasn't producing heirs. Furthermore, his discontent over the state of the Joseon state, and finally, the news of King Gojong's flee to the Russian legation. All of this accumulated into a fatal heart failure. In fact, Mr. Che died 
with only lost hope regarding his most loved things, his lineage and the Joseon state. If he had lived a little longer, he would have been able to witness the founding of the empire. But that wasn't his fate. There weren't a lot of tears shed. Mr. Che outlived the only one who would have wept for him. And the other family members' sadness were more for the son absence fell in the family than for the one absent. Around the time Mr. Che died, rumors of a new party started to spread around Hanyang, the Independence Club. When, in 1896, the newspaper The Independent starts being published daily, Dae Yong's attention is almost instantly caught. The party ideals matched Dae Yong's principles, and even though Dae Yong had, had tried to step away from politics after his brother's death, something in this party called for him. So Dayong returns ever more effervescently to political life, following the party in demonstrations, keeping up with the newspaper, and ultimately funding the construction of the Independence Gate in West Hanyang, symbolizing Joseon's independence from Chinese influence. When the party is forcefully dismantled in 1898, Che Dayong is resolute in not letting the advances go to waste. However, as he looks around, he can't help but realize that Joseon Dynasty is ever more falling into Japanese hands. Meanwhile, Seyon has her first son born in 1898, and three years later, she gives birth to her second son. The first child was named after Kim Soo-ho's father only through extensive persuasion from Seyon. The second child was named Jungkook, after someone that Che Eris used to know. She hadn't heard of Jungkook since she had married, and only much later would she find out that he had died in Busan a couple of years after her marriage. Half, half a decade after the birth of Seyon's second son, Kim Soo-ho dies from malignant disease, making Seyon a single mother of two. Once again, no tears are shed for those who don't deserve it. And Seyon mourned only the amount she deemed appropriate for a widow in her circumstances. Kim Soo-ho's brother insisted that Seyon remain in the Kim family house. However, the pleas were empty of emotion, and Seyon's dislike of her husband's brother, one of the few things she had shared with her betrothed, led her to return to the Che's family home to her mother and brother's side. The Kim family didn't mind, for the older brother had enough heirs to guarantee the lineage, and Seyon's strong temper was too much for them to bear. And so when the empire fell into the hands of the Japanese, the five members of the Che family sat in a heavy silence within their home, uneasy about the times to come.